This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. What I like about the psalm that we're in this morning is Psalm 36. What I like about it is that it is David and he is looking around and he's seeing all the sin and all the hopelessness and lostness that is going around in the world around him. And he he speaks of it for the first few verses and then all of a sudden he makes the transition into his view of God. And in all actuality, that transition in the verses that follow are the uh, subject of a third day song. Uh, Psalm 36 is actually a third day actually sings your mercies, O Lord. That that psalm, that verse 6 and on were the inspiration for that third day song. And, and in all actuality, it's one of my very favorite third day songs. And I, I'm not sure that it's not my most favorite third day song. And it is a powerful worship song in its simplicity. And usually worship songs that quote directly from the Bible tend to be powerful because when we speak God's word back to God uh, in faith, there's a power that comes from that that really, really is not uh, seen in any other form or in the church. And I, I think it's powerful to see this great king, David, and how he sees the world. First of all, he has a real legitimate view of, of his times and the seasons that he lives in and uh, the evil that is around him, which, by the way, I know there are people in the media and out there, what I would call the fear mongers of this world, and they are the fear mongers of the world. They, they purvey fear and they are working on an agenda, and that's without question and without doubt. And they want you to see everything is hopeless and everything is lost, and that's just flat out not true. And that that desire on the part of the enemy and that desire, remember, because his best environment is an environment of fear. The Christian environment that that overcomes that is the environment of faith. And it's a common practice of the world and the darkness that we live in for that darkness to tell you that the darkness has overcome and there is no light, but the truth is that that's a lie. The darkness flees from the light, and David has a legitimate and realistic view of wickedness, and then he has a legitimate and realistic view of who God is, and in this psalm, he comes to the conclusion that uh, really he doesn't have anything to worry about because God's in control, and that's factual. That's the way it is. He says, an oracle within my heart notices He's saying, I'm watching this, and this is coming from my passions. I I want you to see that. It's coming from my emotive side, the emotions of who I am. And uh, sometimes it's bad to, it's not bad, it's people don't like for you to talk about emotions and and things like that. They want you to talk about the logic and what's, what's logical. But the truth is the human soul 
has two aspects of it, and neither one of them can should be discounted, and both of them should be dealt with, and both both of those aspects of who you should be nurtured and grown and focused, and ultimately the your emotions and who what your emotions make you feel and and make you think, and they do inform your thinking. Those emotions are powerful; they can be very motivating, but they also need to be be. Uh, reined in and controlled. And the only way you do that is allow your emotions uh, to marry up with your intellect and to see things from the proper perspective. And that's what's going on here. He says, an oracle within my heart concerning the transgressions of the wicked, meaning the what the wicked is doing, their transgressions, their actions. There is no fear of God before his eyes. He's talking about the individual transgressor. Notice, they don't fear God. They don't. They have no knowledge of God. Uh, any knowledge of God that they have that that God has placed in their heart, they have rejected and forsook. They have kicked to the curb. They've decided they don't believe. Notice there is no fear of God before His eyes. He he for he flatters himself in his own eyes. They they think themselves wise. The Bible says that they think themselves wise. Romans says that, but they've been made to be fools. And I see that so much, so often with people on, and, and you need to get this. The way you move up in the news media, especially to the place where you get on TV, is not by the power of your thoughts or the uh, depth of your ability. It really has more to do with just how you look. And then can you speak well? Are you quick on your feet? And then most of the time, it's whether or not you're willing to sell out to whatever agenda your bosses have. And so these people, generally speaking, flatter themselves in their own eyes because they've always been told how beautiful they are. And they think because of that, that makes them wonderful and to be listened to. They flatter themselves in their own eyes. When he finds out his iniquity, when he finds out his iniquity and when he when he hates. Notice he 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 thinks it's wonderful what he's doing in his iniquity. And he and he hates what is good. He says the words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. I think that kind of speaks for itself to tell you the truth. When I watch people actively work to deceive and do it for years and years about subject matters and about things they tell you over and over again that they have seen things and they know things. And then it turns out that not only did they not see it, not only did they not, but it's totally untrue. Then they just move on. They just act like it's no big deal. I, I, I Okay, I carried you along tricking you for as long as I could. The words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. When you notice that of someone, I, what they have to say to me is irrelevant. I, I, I tune them out. It's as, it's as if... It's like the birds in the morning time. I hear them. Sometimes I might even look to see what they're doing. Their songs have no meaning to me. And so also the songs of uh, the wicked and the deceitful. I just, okay, who, who cares what they say? He says, the words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. And, and there's no way to be wise when you're in this position because wisdom is seeing the world from God's perspective and, and the knowledge that you've gained placed into the understanding that God's given you of how he's made those things. You can't do that. You can't do that. There's no possible way to do that <clears throat> if you have no fear of God. 
and you have no knowledge or understanding of God. I've, I've watched so many people talk about just thing and, and the thing that just is flummoxing and in so many, so many ways disturbing is when they try to delve into the religious realm or God's realm and use the Bible or use use some kind of uh, religious experience to explain how what they're saying is right and they mix themselves up they have no idea they're, they're they it is it's just ridiculous sometimes to hear people say certain things about about Christianity or to try to use Christianity for their own benefit it's just full of wickedness and deceit he says he has ceased to be wise and to do good he devises wickedness on his bed meaning he does it from the time he's he, he's devising it in his sleep. He says he sets himself up in a way that is not good. He, he positions himself in a position that's not prosperous, not right, not good. He does not abhor evil, meaning he loves evil. He doesn't, he doesn't abhor it. He doesn't hate it. And you say, we're, we're evil and we're sinful. That's exactly right. We are. And I say so many times people say, well, what if you've got somebody in your church who's doing this? Or what have you got somebody in your church who's involved in that? And and I say to them, that's not really the question of, of leading leading God's people is not what God's people are doing because God's people, by definition, naturally, because they are they are they they are going to until the day they die struggle with sin. By definition, God's people are going to struggle with sin. They're going to. The question is, are they struggling? And, and really, that is the question. If you say to me, this person says, well, I don't believe that about the Bible. I'm, I'm, I, I, that's, I'm choosing to say that's really not, that's not the God I serve. That's not the, that's also not the God that presented himself to you in his word. And so what you're saying is I'm making God in my own image and I'm going to do what I want to do. Now, if that's what you're doing, then that person's really not a part of the body. That person's really not. But if you say to me, this person, he has a real struggle with this. And I deal with people that are like this all the time and genuinely in their heart and genuinely deep inside, they do struggle. They struggle with, they, they hate their addictions. They hate the things they do. They hate the situations they find themselves in. They struggle and they, and they strive against it. And they're trying to figure out how to overcome it. And the truth is, the only way to overcome it is to learn how to walk with God closely. But they hadn't been doing it all their life. Or they hadn't been doing that in this situation. And so they really don't know what to do in those situations. And so you say, well, what do you do with them? What you do with them is keep on encouraging. Because sure, they keep on doing wrong things and things that I don't like or I'm against. Sure, they do. But, they, but notice what they do. They abhor it. They hate it. They hate it in themselves. They don't want it to be going on. They hate that's what's happening in their lives. They hate that they have to struggle against it. They abhor it. And that's a sign of salvation. A sure sign of salvation is somebody who's repentant of sin, meaning they want to turn away from it. Turning away from sin is not easy. In fact, it's the thing that glorifies. This is the thing in our lives that most glorify God is proof that God has the ability to overcome sin. And so the thing that brings him the most glory is going to be obviously the most difficult. It just is. And if you struggle against something, and if you're watching this for the first time and you're, and you're struggling against some, something that's in your life, I would find hope in that. There's great hope in that because that means that you're battling. That means that you're warring against the things that you know are destructive for your life. 
And uh, you might even be losing right now, but you're not going to lose. If you're battling, that battle came from God. And if you're struggling, that struggle was initiated by him. And, and so eventually God's faithful. He's going to, he's going to carry you to the bitter end. He's going to make you into some, something special. He's going to, he's going to bring you, bring about hope for you. And the evidence of the battle and the evidence of the struggle and the evidence of you not desiring that sin and that, that diff, that evil is evidence that God's at work in your life. And so you ought to find hope just in the, there ought to be hope in the struggle. There just should be. There should be hope in the struggle. And then we moved to verse five. I said verse six earlier, but verse five, where that song began, your mercy, he says, your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. And, and, uh, Third day kind of, he, he uses uh, different translations as the song goes, but the, the song goes, your love, O Lord, it reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Notice David says, all this is going on here, but God's mercy and his love is, is as high as the heavens. And so it's far greater uh, than the sin and the evil that is right before you. It is the giant mountain in the background of the pit. It is the it's the universe and the sky above in in the frame of what you perceive life to be. He says to the faith he says your faithfulness reaches to the sky or to the clouds. What he's saying is God's love and he's going to be faithful to you. So if you're struggling and your point of view seems to be trust me, just look in the background the the hopelessness of the moment is going to be overcome by the mercy and love that God has. He says, your righteousness is like a mighty mountain or like a great mountain, meaning that ultimately he's going to get you. And he is. I say I, so many uh, times I have clients that they say they've been to rehab and it just didn't happen. And I go, you ought to go back. They, I don't know. I can't. It just didn't work there. That's fine. That's fine. Keep, keep struggling. Keep battling against it because eventually Crazy enough as it is, I have clients and especially parents of clients, meaning I represent their children, that it takes a while. And sometimes if you're 21, 22, 23 years old, I, I hate to tell you this, I'm not being ugly to you, you just haven't grown up yet. You just haven't. And you struggling is helping you grow up and you're going to be grown soon and God's working that. So his righteousness is going to have its effect on you. And is going to have its fullness in you. And he's going to glorify himself by your life. And your struggle is the greatest. What is your struggle today will be your greatest treasure in heaven. Because it will be proof of the uh, mighty hand of God at work in your life. Even when you thought all was lost. And his righteousness is like a mighty mountain. It's sitting right there. For, and so keep going. Keep moving forward. When you don't think you can take one more step, take one more step. He says, your, your judgments are great and deep. He says, oh Lord, he says, your, he says, your righteousness is like a mighty mountain. Oh. And your justice is like the ocean tide. And, and God's judgment is like the ocean tide. It just keeps on coming. It's like the great deep. It's there and then immovable and can't be changed. No force can change that. So what God decides is going to be. And so if he's decided that for you, it's going to be. He says, oh Lord, you preserve man and beast, which means you're sovereign and you preserve all things. 
He says, how precious is your loving kindness, O God. I love that word, loving kindness. It's not just love, but it's carried out in a kindness toward us. He says, it's precious to us because his sustaining power is good for us. He says, therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. Meaning that if you're one of those who I was talking about earlier and you just quite hadn't quite grown up, he thinks you're a child. He continues to see you as one of his children and he's gonna protect you under his wings. He says, they are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. Meaning that in his house, there's a, he's got a big house. Uh, I remember that big house song from the late nineties. He, he does, his house is full of the very, very best. And so when you're in his uh, kingdom, when you're one of his children, when you're part of his family, he's got satisfaction uh, in that. And, and there's great love and acceptance in, in that. And you give them drink from the rivers of your pleasures, meaning, boy, that's a powerful line, isn't it? He gives us drink from the rivers of his pleasures, meaning that uh, he satisfies us. And drink always, or, or, or water represents the Holy Spirit. He does. He satisfies us with it, with his own pleasure. His desire is to do these things for us. It's not something he has to do. It's not something he feels forced to do. It's something that he wants to do. He says, for with you is the fountain of life, meaning, well, I mean, he, he is the source of hope and life. And maybe you need to turn off and quit looking around at all the evil around you and focus on him for a little. That's so hard for a young Christian to do is to turn off the world and to turn on God. But I can tell you this, you'll go right back to the mountaintop you used to be on if you can turn off the world and turn on God for a little bit. He says, in your light, we see light meaning in the midst of his light, uh, that darkness is driven out and we see light. He says, oh, continue in your loving kindness, meaning I need it to happen down the road too. And we do, we can't survive without his loving kindness being around all the time to those who know, meaning to those who understand who God is and your righteousness to the upright in heart. We want to have an upright heart. And an upright heart is a heart that's striving toward God, even if it's not doing it very well. An upright heart is a right is a heart that's striving toward God, and it doesn't have to be doing it well to be doing it. He says, let not the foot of pride come against me, meaning don't let pride stand in the way of my future with you. Don't let my own pride, and so many times people's pride gets in the way of God moving. They don't want to admit that they struggle. They don't want to admit that they have problems. They want everybody to think they're okay. And that's just not true. And I have found as a pastor, I am far more effective when I'm real with my people and tell them the reality of my struggles and tell them that I am not perfect. In fact, I am far from perfect and that it's as big and as difficult as the struggles that you face are, I struggle with things also in, in probably even greater ways. I, I, I tell you that to be truth because he, he says not many of you can, should uh, consider yourself teachers because you're judged more strictly. So I, I deal with the struggles of not only myself, but the struggles of others even greater than some of you. I, I, I tell you the weight sometimes is very heavy. And, I, and to consider that God sustains me in that way, considering how absolutely broken I am, is a powerful message. It is. It's a powerful message. God sustained King David, and he was by far a flawed man. 
and he sustains many leaders who are Christian leaders, whether they're good at being a Christian leader or not, he sustains them, and which is even more evidence of the goodness and the greatness of God. He says, let not the foot of pride come against me, and let not the hand of of the wicked drive me away. Uh, Meaning, don't let what they do keep me from, that's a great line to say to God, isn't it? Don't let what, what the evil does in the world keep me from you. Can you say that? Do you let evil keep you from God? Not even your evil, just the evil of the world. Do you let the hand of wicked drive you away? If you do, uh, stop. My father-in-law went to the doctor one time, and this was back just a few years ago. He's 87 years old. Anyway, he, he went to the doctor, I think he's 87, maybe 84, 85. He's in his 80s. And uh, he told the doctor, you know, when I reach back like this, when I reach back my hand like this, my shoulder just has a sharp pain like that. And the doctor said, don't do that. What a great line that was for the doctor. And the truth, what he's saying is that if you want me to cure that, there's going to be a whole lot more pain involved. The best thing for you to do is quit doing it. And so if you say you let the wicked in the world overwhelm you and overcome you and drive you away from God's love and mercy and grace and and allow you to put you in a position where you don't see it on a regular basis, stop. Quit looking at it. Get away from it. And that's such an easy solution, but it is such a, a, a effective solution. It really is. Just stop. Cut it off. Get it out. And if you do that, I, I tell you, you'll feel life and hope you'll, your lungs will fill up with air again. He says, there the workers of iniquity have fallen. Meaning if you turn them, if you turn them off, they have no power over you anymore. They have been cast down and are not able to rise. They, the, the, the pain and the difficulty and the struggle of sin is real, but it has no true power over you because you have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb and there's hope and life in you. And so maybe if the news of the day is getting you down, cut it off. If, if social media seems to be driving you crazy, there's an off button. Cut it off. And if your struggle against sin seems to be overwhelming, keep moving forward and keep trusting God. And I promise you'll overcome it. You will. You're going you're gonna to make it. And, and I'm not just saying that. I've seen so, so many make it. So many that I didn't even, I'm going to tell you, I had a young lady, I'll give you this as passing, about three years ago, DHR, maybe two and a half years ago, DHR took her child, and she was young, and boy, she was thin, and she was really heavily on drugs, she, just to be honest with you, she was just really, it just I, sometimes I can walk in the room, I, you'd be shocked at when I walk through Walmart or Target, or I'm at uh, Sports Authority, and I see somebody, I know I almost know exactly uh, what they're taking and how long they've been taking. I've just been around it for so long. And and she just was bound and she was just headed toward uh, destruction. And, and she just couldn't get going. And she would try to figure out a way to get her kid back. And she tried to lie and cheat and steal and do everything she could to get things right without getting herself right and get her, getting her life straight. And I met with her about six months ago, and it was just evident. She just was hopeless. I was beginning to think we're going to have to terminate parental rights and just move on because even though her kid was with family, it's just she just was hopeless. And then she woke up. She just woke up. 
she just figured it out. And in six months, she gained 30 pounds. <laughs> she, she quit. She quit drugs. She got a job. She divorced herself from, from all the things that were causing her uh, struggles. And she got away from all those people. And she got right. She got clean. And she got her kid back. You say, what caused that? I can promise you this. It wasn't my fantastic lawyering skills that caused it. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't DHR, although DHR was working with her as far hard as they could. What caused it was God just kind of stepped in. And she woke up and grew up and figured it out. And it just all began to fall into place for her. And that happens. And that story is not an uncommon story. That's a common story. It is. People struggle and struggle with God, and then all of a sudden they figure it out. And all of a sudden they become what they ought to be. They glorify God with their lives, and they begin to experience true life and true hope, and, and they get to actually be with their family and friends and raise their children. And All of a sudden, <clears throat> you'd be shocked at how many adults that seem to have their lives just on track and got it figured out. You'd be surprised at the hellions they were when they were in their 20s. You'd just be shocked. Uh, so many young people out there see these folks as saying, y'all have always been that way. Most of them really hadn't. Most of them just figured it out at some point in time. And the truth is, as put together as they seem like they are, they're still figuring it out. Because life is, there's, there's one truth about life. Life's always changing. It is. And so how you deal with it has always got to be growing and changing. And when you move into a new phase of life, everything's different again, and you got to learn how to adjust and learn how to trust God in the midst of it, learn how to be who you are. And that's what it's going to be like from now on. And you're going to get better at it. You're going to get really good at it. And uh, God's going to do some really wonderful, amazing things. And when you lay on the final bed, you'll lay on the deathbed, the, the bed that God takes you home from. You're going to be able to look back and see the hand of God was always at work in your life. It's going to be good for you. So you keep struggling. You keep going. Don't allow the evil that's in front of you to mar your true perspective on life and keep you from what God has for you. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.